Welcome to Law Technology Now with attorney Monica Bay, editor-in-chief of ALM's award-winning Law Technology News Magazine and website. Here's the latest hot topic in the intersection of law and technology. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hi, I'm Monica Bay, editor-in-chief of Law Technology News of ALM here in New York, and I have a terrific program for you today on Law Technology Now. Uh, We will be discussing uh, Law Technology News' cover story in August called G-Harmony, and the headline will make sense as soon as I introduce our wonderful guests. We have two guests today, Elizabeth Jaworski and David Kenzer, both of the law department of Motorola Mobility, which was recently acquired by Google. Uh, Let me start by having David, you tell us a little bit about your job and uh, what's your uh, background a little bit for our listeners. Sure. Hi, everybody. I'm David Kenzer. I run the commercial law team at uh, Motorola Mobility. We, we handle all of the commercial contracting, so supply chain and procurement activities, as well as what we call go-to-market or sales contracts and real estate, most of the buying and selling. Uh, my background, I, I went to Northwestern Law School, and right now, Actually, I spent my whole career working at Motorola, so I think I'm a little bit unique from that perspective. That's true. There's not a lot of people these days who've stuck at the same company. I've actually followed your path. I've been at ALM for 28 years, which makes me feel very old. <laughs> Elizabeth, tell us a little bit about your background and uh, what you do for Motorola Mobility. Sure. Hi, um, I'm Elizabeth Jaworski. I'm the Director of Legal Operations for the Law Department at Motorola Mobility. Um, in that capacity, I manage the department, typical operation type uh, responsibilities such as managing budgets, our spend management, our tools and applications. Um, and I also have responsibility for our e-discovery, um, both our policies and processes um, and our vendor management in that space and our, our cost management in that space. And, uh, and from time to time, I act as a PM for some of our major um, projects and transactions. And by PM, I assume you mean project manager? Yes, thank you. Okay. You, you both experienced the recent, uh, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, from Lisa Holton's wonderful article of Google, that's the G and G Harmony, uh, uh, acquiring your company. Tell us a little bit, if you would, and David, let's start with you, on the first ramifications of that, uh, what happened to the law department? I know that there was a significant change in that. Can you tell our, our listeners a little bit about what happened? Well, um, with any acquisition, you expect um, some forms of efficiencies and a uh, combination of support functions that didn't really happen to the extent they, they normally do. Google doesn't like to um, make significant reductions when they when they make acquisitions in general. But at the same time, we wanted to make our business uh, more competitive right away. It's pretty pretty well publicized that Motorola was struggling a little bit uh, in in the market. Maybe maybe uh, maybe not as much as it had been publicized, but we weren't as profitable as we'd like to be. So we did skinny down some um, part. We moved a few pieces over over to Google, and um, and we reduced some of our investment in other areas, and then we emphasized investment in in, in new places. So, for example, um, 
some of the intellectual property team moved over to Google because they were going to be managing things for us in that area. Um, and since uh, the, the the mothership will be owning patents, we have our patent operations owned by Google as well, although um, they're still managed here. And we put a we put a little bit more emphasis on the commercial team because we're focused now not as a public company. We're now focused more on running the commercial business. So we put a little bit more of our resources in that space. And uh, to give the readers and the listeners a little uh, sense of the ramifications of that, I understand that about 150 of the legal team, uh, which had been 250, either moved to Google's Mountain View headquarters or were um, uh, left the company. So that left you, if, if my math is good, with a team of about 100 in, in uh, suburban Chicago. Is, are, are, my, are my figures any good? I'm notoriously bad at numbers. I think that's pretty close. Uh, not, our whole team is not in, in Chicago, but almost, most of it is. We have, um, we have a handful of legal professionals in our Sunnyvale, California offices, which are, are right next door to Mountain View. And, um, and we have a, a, a few lawyers and legal professionals around the world in various places, UK, Germany, Asia, um, South Florida. But I would say um, the vast majority of them are in, are in our uh, Illinois offices, which are moving um, from Libertyville to, to Chicago. And I understand you're going into the uh, historic merchandise mart. That must be a lot of fun to anticipate. Yeah, I've, I've I've walked. Um, I think Elizabeth has as well. We've we looked at the construction sites already, and we've been there uh, to see some of the build out, and it's pretty impressive. We're, we're going to be leasing the top three and a half floors, including the roof. Uh, Fun. I'm not clear yet what we're going to do on the roof. Probably, <laughs> hopefully, some nice <laughs> parties. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's pretty it's pretty exciting, um, and it, the the views are phenomenal, and the and and the way the office is being built out is is just super exciting. Now, the thing I found the most interesting from Lisa's terrific article was the the challenge that you all faced was okay, what are we going to do now? And with Google encouraging you to, as they say in tech, uh, uh, eat the dog food and adopt Google's programs, you guys took it almost one level, if not ten levels. In a in a even more uh, tech oriented direction by creating programs and creating apps and other technologies, it kind of reminded me of Cisco because I recently uh, did a panel at Legal Tech West Coast with the Cisco's ethics team, which who took a very very tedious, difficult uh, code of business con- conduct and, that had been in just impossibly to maneuver PDFs and created a very interactive online uh, uh, ebook that includes a lot of Q&As and drill downs and, and information tr- decision trees. And you also took a very novel approach to figuring out a way to make training in ethics more fun. Can you tell us um, ab- about the... Um, the product you did that actually has a story tied to the, the mart where you will be moving. Sure, absolutely. So we created a, we kind of took 
what you're what you're talking about from Cisco, and we took it to the next level. Really, more um, we we made a product that would resonate a little bit more with our our current employee base and our future employee base. So the idea was to create an application that you can run on your phone, uh, specifically a game that you could play that would, at the same time as being enjoyable, would uh, teach the player what our ethics rules were and, and, and go over the right and wrong answers to various ethics situations. The game's called Credo Rocks the Mart, and uh, we have a little Android guy named Credo, and he flies around through a maze. Um, sort of Pac-Man-esque, I guess, and uh, avoids bad guys and answers, answers ethics questions. Um, and and uh, each level of the game represents the level of the Merchandise Mart, and ultimately you can get to the, to the top of the Merchandise the Mart. The roof garden uh, for the parties. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Hopefully there's a, there's a party waiting there for you. David, uh, what's the story behind Crito? That's kind of an unusual name, but I have a feeling I've heard it before. So Crito is the mascot of the game, and uh, he's named after uh, a friend of Socrates who tried to uh, essentially bribe the jailers and, and, uh, and free Socrates from jail. Uh, and if, if, you, if you know your, your Greek... Um, history, Socrates turned that down and um, basically gave Credo an, an ethics lesson on why that wasn't the right thing to do. So it seemed an appropriate name for us, and he's uh, our little hero. In fact, um, just today we were handing out little stickers that have uh, our little caped crusader of Credo um, with his little Motorola logo that say, um, report an issue and go to MotorolaMobility.EthicsPoint.com. So um, those are handed around the building now, and people can um, go to the ethics line directly using Credo. And is, was this designed partly with, you know, the, the Google is known so much for its very young staff and very, very bright staff. Was this, was this an, in, an attempt to take what can be considered a dry area that is always mandatory in companies and sort of bring it to life? Was that part of the agenda? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, the, honestly, the idea came from our general counsel, Scott Offer. He had been um, studying for various exams, and, and he found online tests for things like driver's license uh, exams, and he was actually, he just recently became an American citizen. There was a, there was a, a practice test for that. So he found applications for these things that were more like, you know, QA online. And, and uh, he went to our ethics officer, John Ceratani, and, uh, and he assigned Joanne Kloppel to, as, a, as a program manager to drive this thing forward. And a little bit of brainstorming went from rather than just have a, an application with a question that had, uh, you know, answer A, B, C, or D, and then we'll score you later to kind of make it a game. Um, and, and yes, it, part of it, part of the idea is to resonate with, um, you know, the current employee base. Well, it sounds like it's a lot of fun. I, I can't wait to have you show it to me one of these days. Uh, we're going to take a slight break and we will be back and we're going to talk with Elizabeth Jaworski about the project they are doing in eDiscovery. We'll be back in just a moment.
Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry. Connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. And we're back. I'm Monica Bay, Editor-in-Chief of Law Technology News, and we are talking with Elizabeth Jaworski and with David Kenzer, both of Motorola Mobility, which was recently acquired by Google. Um, Elizabeth, tell us a little bit about what you're doing in eDiscovery and the very interesting project that uh, you're doing with predictive coding, which, of course, is like topic A among all the eDiscovery set. Everybody, whether you call it computer-assisted technology or technology-assisted review, it all boils down to, to the, the ability to use both humans and computers when you're running discovery projects. So tell us a little bit about your project. Sure, and you're right. It's like whatever the buzzword is for that same old looking for, for data um, amongst a lot of big data these days. Um, so one of our challenges, and I think this is certainly not unique to, to, to Motorola, is trying to manage the cost of discovery and with just the ever-growing universe of, of technology out there and all the different vendors and platforms and processes within this space, um, it was really hard for us to keep our arms around what was the best path forward when we were looking at e-discovery and what is the best tool for us. So you can read tons of articles, whether they're you know, written by a vendor or written by other in-house folks also focused in this area. And our challenge was that none of it really applied directly to us. So we couldn't really look at a study done by a pharma um, in this area because their data is different than ours. So it didn't always apply directly to the, the objectives we were trying to, to reach, which was, you know, doing our e-discovery in the most efficient, cost-effective manner, which, you know, that's everybody's goal. Um, so we started a, a pilot on one of our cases um, so that we could look at in parallel with doing the typical linear manual review, uh, run it through two different types of technologies in the e-discovery space, and look at the results and see which is better for us. Um, so it was a really interesting project that was going on. Can you tell us a little bit more, Elizabeth, about the comparison uh, project that you're doing? Yeah, so we're looking at two different types of technologies, a rule-based technology and an algorithm-based technology. Um, and those are two of probably the three or four types of technologies that are out there. And trying to figure out through each process, so e- each technology ha- comes along with it, its own process of how you work through the de- e-discovery in a piece of litigation. Um, so working this same piece of litigation through the individual processes and then the individual types of technologies to see what the outcome is um, as far as reliability in in responsiveness, in tagging things correctly, and coding things properly. So 
at the end of the day, it was interesting because we set out with a goal of, hey, what technology is better for us? And, you know, at the end of the day, we'll figure out how we're going to save all this money and do things more efficiently. And the reality of it is that the results came out um, and that one type of technology really isn't better than the other. It really all depends on the type of data you're working with and what your objective is. So is your objective to have the highest percentage of coding accuracy? Is your objective to get eyes on documents quickly? Is your objective to produce quickly? So looking at those different types of variables, uh, marrying that with the results of this study, we can now take an approach, an educated approach on how to do our e-discovery in the most efficient manner. And that was a project that you did with Deloitte Discovery, if I remember correctly. It was, yes. Sounds like a very interesting event. Um, Also, I wanted to thank you and acknowledge that I know you participate on ALM's Legal Tech Show board, and which I do as well, and it is a pleasure to, to have your expertise on that. I know our I know our legal tech team is very, very appreciative of your work on that. So a little shout out to you on that. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's a good organization. It's a great event. Thank you. Uh, We're running out of time. So before we do, I want to ask each of you one final question. Pretty much what what was the thing out of the out of the move that you've experienced that that as you look back was the most unexpected? Why don't we start with you, David? So I, I think a couple things, um, I, I guess overall culture, uh, I, I think the, the Google culture is pretty phenomenal. Um, I think that the way, the, the almost philanthropic nature of the way Google wants to make products to make the world a better place is unique among companies. And that's probably one of the most exciting things about coming to work every day is uh, trying to make a difference in the world and making a difference for people that need it. Um, versus simply just trying to make money. And I think that's pretty exciting and pretty stimulating. Sounds like it. Elizabeth, how about you? I completely echo the whole theme of the culture and having that culture, you know, trickle down into into Motorola and and seeing that change and shift over to the Google culture is, is very exciting. And it does kind of reinvigorate, you know, how I feel about coming to work every day as well. So it's absolutely the culture is the most important thing. Sounds fantastic. Uh, how would our listeners uh, reach out to you if they had questions or wanted to, to uh, uh, contact you? What's the best way to reach you, Elizabeth? Um, I'm happy to share my email. Um, I'm not sure that David would be, but I love talking to people about e-discovery and different projects. So um, my email is elizabeth.jaworski at motorola.com. Okay, David, how about you? Yeah, I'm happy to share mine as well. Mine is david.kenzer at motorola.com. Terrific. Uh, well, I'll do some housekeeping at the end and to remind everybody that there are three ways to listen to Law Technology Now. You can reach it at the Legal Talk Network, which is legaltalknetwork.com. At ALM, it is lawtechnologynow.com. And as I always say, because we are so cool, we are on iTunes. Uh, my thanks to our guests, Elizabeth Jaworski and David Kenzer, and to our great team, In Denver, producers Amy Thompson and James Palmer. Here in New York, the fabulous Charles Garner and my boss, David Brown, the vice president and editor-in-chief of ALM. And as always, I will remind you that there is no crying in technology or baseball. 
I'm Monica Bay. We'll see you in September. Thanks for listening to Law Technology Now, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join Monica Bay for our next podcast covering the technology issues affecting the legal profession. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.